Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that He created us in His own image and sacrificed His only begotten sinless Son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to Him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. And Father, we pray now that you would just help me preach your message in the power of the Spirit. Help us to be still as we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Fill me with your spirit now. I can't do without you. Then, Father, help the people be settled in their minds to focus intently because we need a word from the Lord in these evil days in which we live. Help us to get what we have come for. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Turn with us to the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 1. And there you'll find these words. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. And from this verse and other verses I will be referencing, I want to preach what to do in the time of crises. What to do in the time of crises. In this chapter, Jesus finds himself headed toward a tremendous crisis. His earthly ministry is coming to a close. He is about to be betrayed by Judas, arrested in Gethsemane, denied by Peter, put on trial in Pilate's court, mocked by soldiers, and ultimately hung on a cross. What a crisis our Savior is in. Therefore, this chapter begins with Jesus praying to the Father as he prepares to finish the work he was assigned to do. Even as I preach this message, there are so many in our world and nation today who are, who are right in the midst of a crisis. For example, many lost their lives in an earthquake. Many in our nation were thrust in a crisis when they experienced hurricanes that did great damage to the Texas, Louisiana coast, Florida, Puerto Rico, and the islands, leaving countless without homes, displaced with no electricity, without employment, and even schools. Then we, we've had the raging fires in California where families were only given minutes to evacuate and flee for their very lives, leaving everything they owned behind. And when given permission to return, homeowners found their life's possessions totally destroyed as they wept. Just recently, we had the mass shooting in Las Vegas where 59 people were shot to death and over 500 people wounded, leaving the nation reeling in dismay and shock over premeditated, orchestrated evil perpetuated against innocent concert attendees. 
The whole nation is yet still reeling from the atrocity that happened at First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, where 26 in the congregation were killed and 20 others were injured just 26 miles southeast of here. Beloved, there will come those critical times in life where we are right in the midst of a crisis. Sometimes we are blessed to see them coming at us like a train and we can hold on and brace ourselves for the coming crisis. And other times there are crises that blindside us. We didn't see it coming. Yes, crisis hurt. No one says, I want to have a crisis today. They hurt because they are painful. They're tough. And we don't always understand why. I was interviewed on the radio uh, just a few days ago, and they say, what are your thoughts? And one of my points of emphasis was that sometimes we're so quick to give quick answers. And sometimes people just need our comfort, our presence, and our prayers. But what we can be assured of is that our God is still on the throne He's in control and will see us through these troubling times in which we live. I pose a question to you, dear ones. What do we do in times of crises? I really wish you write these points of emphasis down because not only you're going to need them now, you're going to need them later. And my administrative assistant, she can attest, God had purpose in my heart. This, this message was already to be preached months before all of this happened. And so I just told her, I said, look, all of this is happening. And now I'm about to preach the message that God placed on my heart months before. What do you do in times of crisis? Do you tuck your tail and run? Do you just say, I quit? Do you just fall into depression? Do you get mad at the world? Just what do you do? Number one, you had better have a relationship with the father. People are looking for help in the wrong places. Those who believe in evolution, those who believe in the Big Bang Theory, chance, human reasoning, those of you who believe in yourselves, those of you who look to politics, psychics, lottery, career, those of you who look to money are helpless and destined for disappointment. Jesus talked to his heavenly father in prayer during his crises. You had better have a relationship with the father. Now, some of you got a relationship with your technology. You own it and you, you live by it day and night. Some of you have all kinds of relationships with people. But do you have a relationship with the father? You see, my friends, Jesus could approach God in prayer because of their father son relationship that they had before the crisis in Gethsemane. It's a dangerous thing indeed to go head on into a crisis without an intimate relationship with the father. Jesus knew where to look when in a crisis. What did he do? He looked up to the father. 
My friend, do you know where to look when you are in your crises? Psalms 121, 1 and 2 says, I will lift my eyes to the hills from which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Be it known to you today, the same God who created heaven and earth is God enough to handle any adversity that intrudes into your life. God made everything, the mountains, the oceans, the atmosphere. He made the stars, the moon, the sky. He made everything. And the God of all creation is God enough to handle the adversity that intrudes into your lives. And I submit to you today, you had better have a relationship with the father For those without a relationship with the father have no place of rest. You have no refuge or hope. This will leave you with a void. And when you don't have a relationship with with Jesus, then there's a void there that will be filled with something else other than the person of Christ. What do we fill that void with? Drugs and alcohol and parties and sexual immorality. If you don't have Christ, you'll fill that void with material things, pleasure, and even demonic relationships. I like that old song that says, where do I go? When the storms of life are raging, who do I turn to when no one wants to listen? Who do I lean on when there's no foundation stable? I tell you what I'll do. I'll go to the rock. I know he's able. I go to the rock. The second thing I'd like to say to you today in preparing for a crisis, number two, you must realize that your hour of crisis is coming. You must realize that your hour of crisis is coming. You say, oh, uh, I haven't been in a crisis. Just keep saying good morning. John 17, one says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. For Jesus, his crisis was the way of the cross. His crisis was suffering and humiliation. His crisis was agony and imminent death. Since we are in this world, we shall have tribulation. There's no such thing as living in this world without crises and tribulation. John 16, says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. When trouble is raging on every side, you will have peace in me. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. People are in one crisis after another. People in hardships. Some of you are in a crisis of health. Others of you, you're in a crisis of death of loved ones. Some of you persecution, others betrayal. Some of you are in a crisis in your marriage that has gone bad. Some of you are in a crisis of ingratitude. You're so uh, unappreciated. Some of you are in a crisis of, of abandonment. Crisis of temptation, confusion, rebellious children, addiction. Some of you under my voice, you have all kinds of addictions. Some of you are in a financial crisis. Some of you are in a loss of employment and possessions. We need to trust Jesus because he has been there and overcame the odds against Satan and the demonic realm. 
You say, God doesn't understand where I am. God, God doesn't know. God hasn't been through this. Let me tell you something. Stop talking like that. Our Lord has been through far worse. You say, how do you know that? Because of what the scripture says. It says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of needs. God understands. Jesus can identify with us because he has been where we are and has experienced far worse on our behalf. Therefore, let Jesus fix it for you. He knows just what to do. Whenever you pray, just let him have his way. Let Jesus fix it for you. The third thing we must consider in crisis, we must realize that being a Christian does not exempt us from the calamities of life. Being a Christian does not exempt us from the calamities of life. You say, how do you know that? All you got to do is look, at, look through the archives of history. All you have to do is look at the scripture. The Hebrew boys, the boys were put in a fiery furnace. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. John the Baptist was beheaded. Stephen was stoned. James, the half-brother of Jesus, was brutally murdered. And Paul was beheaded. Jesus himself was verbally and physically assaulted and attacked. He was hated. Jesus was misunderstood, abandoned, plotted against, unfairly treated, experienced death threats, struck in the face. He was spat upon and ultimately put to death. And since we are followers of Christ, we will not journey through this life without persecution for the cause of Christ. We too will have our own personal Gethsemane as we have just witnessed in the brutal attack where many are asking, why did God allow this to happen? Many atheists and agnostics and even some ignorant Christians a mocking God and questioning God because of what happened. Beloved, I submit to you today, we must realize that if Jesus was not exempt from physical and verbal abuse, Jesus was not exempt from death threats and even put on a cross and Jesus was murdered. What makes us think that we are going to live in this life without trials? What make us think that we're going to live in this life without tribulation? What make us think that we're going to live in this life without persecution? Listen, now you say, you know the Lord, you know the Lord, you know the Lord. Listen, these times are going to test whether you really know the Lord. Are some of you going to be like the chaff that the wind blows away? can't find you because you're a scary cat and you run or will you stand your ground and trust Jesus through whatever comes your way. There's an old song we sang in a meeting just like the old time, one of those old time songs of yesteryear. It's that old song that says, I shall not be moved. Any of y'all, old, any of y'all folk, I almost said old folk, but <laughs> some of y'all are old. Any of y'all folk, know, any of y'all know that song? It goes, I help me shall not, I shall not be moved. 
I shall not, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the water. I shall not be moved. I'm on my way to heaven. I shall not be moved. I'm on my way to heaven. I shall not be moved just like a tree that plant by the water. I shall not be moved. Listen, that's the time. It's time to sing that song because some Christians are moving, moving, moving. Listen. If there's ever time for believers to rise and shine, it's right now. If there's ever time for the Holy Ghost to arrest us and for us to be courageous and bold for the cause of Christ, it's right now. I don't hear your amen out there. If, if there's ever time for us to stand and say, for God I live and for God I die, it's what? Right now. Number four. Use your crisis as an opportunity to honor God, to extol the Lord, to exalt him, to magnify him, to worship and glorify him. I'll say it again. Use your crisis as an opportunity. Crises come into our lives and we must use them as an opportunity to honor our Lord, to extol our Lord, to exalt our Lord, to magnify our Lord to worship and glorify our God. John 17, 1b says, glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. Jesus glorified the father through perfect obedience by becoming a sacrificial lamb and dying for the sins of the world. And God glorified the son by raising him from the dead. Jesus is more than a prophet. He's more than a good man. He's more than a good teacher. Jesus is God all by himself. Use your opportunity to glorify Jesus that people will come to know God as they see you standing and affirming your Jesus in the midst of a storm. Number five, pray through your crises. Pray through your crisis. In John 17, we have the Lord's Prayer where Jesus prays for himself in this passage. His disciples, he prays for his disciples, he prays for other believers as well. Jesus looked beyond his present circumstances and saw the needs of others. He was not so consumed, Jesus was not so consumed with his own crises that he failed to seek the interests of others. And some of you, when you get into a crisis, you don't care about anybody but yourself. You just go in, shut the door, and just leave me alone. But that is not a testimony. That's a shame. When we're in our crisis, the best way to deal with it is to use your crisis to minister to minister to others. And it will lessen the effect of the crisis that you are in as you pray to your heavenly father. Beloved, if you have a mindset to pray your way through, your crisis will not get the best of you. In Gethsemane, Jesus prayed his way through his crisis. 
Matthew 26, 39 says, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, beloved, like Jesus, prayer is the best way to survive and succeed in the midst of crises. For all of you military personnel out there today, it is critical that you pray about your military assignments. You pray as it relates to your deployments to combat zones and areas of unrest. That you pray as it relates to family separation. That you pray about injustices that happens to you and other challenges that I can't even talk about. Uh, You must also pray for divine guidance and the Lord's protection. There's a lot you need to pray about. And even if you're retired, you need to pray about your health issues such as PTSD, employment, and that God and pray for God's help as you adjust to civilian life. Never stop praying. When you stop praying, you're saying God cannot handle my situation. Number six, be patient with God, yourself and others. When in a crisis, be patient with God, yourself, and others. Allow the crisis to run its course and be open to what the Lord wants to teach you through it. In every crisis, there is tucked therein lessons to be learned in the midst of the crisis. You get it? Okay. In every crisis, there are lessons to be learned. You can't hurry, God, so don't even try Psalms 40, 1, 2, and 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. When hard time hits, you rest in God and you wait patiently on him. Say, Lord, this is hard. I want out now. I'm going to run away. I'm going to take matters in my own hand. Listen, all you feel to do is make a bigger mess, flunk the course, and have to take a repeat crisis course. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined toward me and heard my cry. It's good to be in good relationship with God because when you need him the most, he'll respond. Number two, he also, I love this, this segment of the verse. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. And some of you I'm talking to by radio and television, you are in a pit. You are you as low as you can get. As a matter of fact, you bottom out so low to the only place you can go now is up. But God is able to pick you up out of that miry clay. And the word of God says, and set your feet on a rock and establish your steps and lead you out of your condition. Verse three, he has put a new song in my mouth. Sing your way out of a crisis. Sing your way out of out of a crisis. Praise to our God. Praise him. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord when they see your faith, when they see you standing strong, when they see you singing Zion's song, when they even see you see you singing a new song. They take courage in their heart by how you're responding. But if you're acting worse than them and they don't know the Lord, they say, ha, some kind of God you have. But when they see you standing strong and when they when they see you not falling to pieces, when they see you standing strong in the church 
and teaching your children the principles of the crises, then that's a great testimony. Number seven, remain calm in the storm. Remain calm in the storm. Jesus was able to maintain his composure. He was able to maintain his composure because he prayed before the crisis as well as in the midst of the crisis in Gethsemane. Jesus did not allow himself to fall apart and neither should we. Refuse to allow your life to be filled with stress, pressure, and worry in your crisis. That's the worst thing you can do is to allow yourself to succumb to stress, to pressure, and worry. And these can be reduced by, A, being mindful that in Psalms 46.1, it says, God is our refuge. Say refuge. Say refuge again. You know what refuge is? God is our refuge. Refuge is a, a place of refuge is a shelter. God is our shelter. You know what refuge is? It's a divine covering. But now, if you cussing all over the place, sleeping around all over the place, committing adultery, if you're a drunkard, uh, if you're stealing and lying, if you're a hypocrite, if you're doing evil, if, you, if you're living a, de- a life of deception, you don't have God's covering. As a matter of fact, you're about to get the chastening hand of God. You have to be obedient to have God's covering. A place of refuge is a place of protection. A place of refuge is a safe place. You know what we need today is a safe place. Sometimes you think a safe place is your friend only to find out that they spill your secrets. Some of you think your safe place is in that sorority or that fraternity uh, with those coworkers. And some of you have been leaning on your friends. You can lean, we can lean on our friends only to find out your friends disappear during hard times. They with you and they'll, they'll take your money they take everything you got, take your time, take everything. And then when, ta- when crisis hits you, you can't find her. You can't find him. But God is always there. God is always there. He's a safe place. The scripture says he's strength, a very present help in trouble. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683.